Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinookie. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. So Mitch, thanks for coming, man. So yeah, tell us your story, man. Okay. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. So so I was born in Montreal, then I moved to New Jersey, then back to Montreal, then my parents divorced, then I moved to Calgary, Mm. and I lived in Toronto for a bit. How long were you in New Jersey for? Uh, Five years. Okay. Five years. Do you remember it? Not really. Yeah, you were pretty young. Young, young, right? And like, like my parents were on the verge of divorce. My like mm-hmm. dad's addiction was really getting bad, right? Okay. And like, so my mom wanted the divorce. We moved to Montreal, and then the divorce finalized. Then mm-hmm. we moved to Toronto. Me, and my mom, and sister. My dad moved to Calgary, and then things started to go bad. Then, mm-hmm. right? Like I got involved with crime. Okay. I was like, I was young, right? But mm-hmm. I was I, like, because of the traumas I'd been experiencing. Like my dad being gone and the divorce, and mm-hmm. I never worked through it. Right, I always was resentful, mm-hmm. right, and and I held that, and then and then I started making choices to make myself feel better, right, mm-hmm. and then it became instant gratification. Yeah, and I chased that, right. Then I moved yeah. to Calgary, after uh, my, my bar mitzvah because mm-hmm. I'm Jewish, okay. right, and then I moved to Calgary, and then things were good at first, right. I was working, mm-hmm. uh, or no, I was I was. Going to junior high, it was really good, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then, but I was drinking a lot more than mm-hmm. we thought. So there was, no, there was not a ton of guidance, right? Yeah. I did things as a youth. I like played sports regularly, mm-hmm. right? I, my, I went camping with my dad, right? But he was always in, into drinking, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's the pro, in the program as well, mm-hmm. right? Now, okay. and uh, and things just spiraled. I went. I went to junior high. Was involved with sports. I, mm-hmm. I was in. I was got a gold medal for the in the Western Canadian Junior Olympics for wrestling. Oh, right. On, things man. were good, right? Mm-hmm. Volleyball. But then in high school, things started to go downhill. Mm-hmm. At first, I, I started to smoke weed. Then I began raving. I was breakdancing, mm-hmm. and like, it wasn't even the the things I was doing. It was it. It just came back to the drug use, mm-hmm. right? And that was my main problem. Yeah. Like alcohol, I just, there was a couple of times where it was just alcohol poisoning because I just, just drank excessively, right? And that was that was my problem. Drugs, I felt like I was more pulled to. Yeah. And then I slowly tried almost everything until I got to cocaine. 
And so then, you found something you liked. And that was where it was at. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought, right? Yeah, and of then, course. And then, and then the crime started, the stealing. Mm -hmm. uh, then, uh, 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 then just before I graduated, I started smoking crack with my dad because mm -hmm. I was stealing money from him, right? And yeah. he caught me. And then he, I, he, in his mind, he was an addict. He thought that he could get, he could do it for me and me, and then to pull, pull me out, right? Mm -hmm. The good addict thing, yeah, right. Like, yeah. And it really, has been the back of it was I can use again, mm -hmm. right? And then yeah. then we we got into using heavily, yeah. right? Then I attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, then I went back to Ontario to my mom. Uh, things were going good. I got a job. My mom bought me a car. Mm -hmm. Things were great. Then I relapsed. I went back to cracking. Then, I, then I, that's when I attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. And that was a, a my sister came home early from work one day and found me laying in bed and called nine one one. My mm -hmm. stomach was pumped. I spent three three weeks in a psych ward, and then I came back to Calgary because mm -hmm. I'm sure my mom couldn't handle me at that point. It was, yeah. yeah but, and then that must have been scary, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. scary, right? And yeah. then I moved back to Calgary, and then uh, uh, slowly everything started to deteriorate. Right, mm. I got involved with crime. Uh, I was back from crack again mm. with my dad and my friend Captain Ron, who got shot in high school. It's just another gong show, right? Mm. He got he took a bullet over a cocaine mm. uh, robbery, yeah, and he lost his eye. So when we, you guys were in high school, yeah, and he okay. was wearing an eye patch. We called him Captain Ron. Yeah, I smiled because it was a big joke, right? Mm -hmm. We were all everything but upcoming gang members. Mm -hmm. It was a gong show, right? Yeah. And like that led to the lifestyle that eventually I came back to, right? Mm -hmm. So then, uh, I, then I started to do better crime. I was arrested. Uh, uh, the, the cop who charged me didn't file the charges. Because mm -hmm. when he came to the door to find me, me and my dad asked her, we were both really high. Mm -hmm. And the cop told me he was going to call me in a couple of weeks and we we're going to discuss how we we're going to afford the charge. Mm -hmm. And this is after I already did a jail sentence. Right? Yeah. For for uh, for assault causing. So I, I didn't want to go back to jail. Mm -hmm. And then luckily the well not luckily, it's sad, the cop died. Mm -hmm. But luckily the cop didn't file mm -hmm. the charges because he saw me and my father were high and he was gonna try to help me. Mm -hmm. So I went to, I went to ARC, a bird Center, I, I yeah. cleaned up my act. Didn't take long till my dad was well, a family program. Mm -hmm. Right for means everybody has to stay clean and sober. Yeah, because the parents have to be involved with other kids, yes, and right. yeah. And my dad wasn't, yeah, because he wanted to still use and drink. Yeah, so he's quickly kicked out. And then, luckily, the doctor who runs our got funding and donations to keep my program, my treatment going. Mm -hmm. I was adopted by a graduate family. I did everything. I got involved. Right, mm -hmm. I made it to step eight. Then I started to break the rules. I was kicked out. Then the doctor said, say, sober, get a job. Can you live with a graduate family like the one that adopted mm -hmm. you? You can come and grad, get back and graduate. So I did so. Go back to our graduate. Right? Uh, I continue to live with the graduate family, but I, I started working with my dad. Right? It doesn't take long till I, I, I get back to home crack again. Mm -hmm. I moved to my dad's in Coach Hill. Then I try 1835. I try... Uh, Simon House. Mm -hmm. uh, I even lived with uh, uh, in uh, an Oxford House. Yeah. Right. But I was always using. Right. Mm -hmm. It never lasted. Right. And then uh, eventually, my dad got accepted for a liver transplant. And then the last thing I did with him was 
smoke a bunch of crack with him. Mm-hmm. But we left, and he signed a bunch of checks over me. So then, while he was gone, I stole a, a bunch of money, and then he came back, so I did that. He lived. He's, he lives, and he sees I stole money, and he kicks me out. Mm-hmm. Now I, things go sideways. I, I begin robbing people in mm-hmm. banks. I begin fraud. Everything addiction-based. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, I'm actually arrested uh, under indictment. Like my mm-hmm. shirts are indictment. So I'm looking at two or more, or more years. Mm-hmm. I get a lawyer. My lawyer uh, attempts to get a plea agreement. Right? But that doesn't work out. The lawyer, the crown won't draw my charges to lower charges. Mm-hmm. A, plea, a plea agreement would be draw my charges to lessening uh, severe charges mm-hmm. and do a provincial sentence like I did before. Yeah. But, but no, they, they wanted federal. Yeah. So I went to, I went to, I started in Grand Cash. I was there for a couple of years and then uh, did everything that they wanted, all the programming, mm-hmm. I welded, things were going better, right? I left Grand Cash. I came back to Calgary. Then within a month, my thinking deteriorated. I mm-hmm. went and got high, drunk. Uh, then I felt terrible. I went back to my halfway house. Mm-hmm. I was like emotionally broken. Mm-hmm. I tore myself in, arrested. I went back to, to remand. My PO came to see me. Uh, he released me. And then I, my thinking deteriorated yet again. Mm-hmm. I, I, I went back. I went back using drinking hard. Uh, Went back to to the to the halfway house. Then I I left halfway house. I mm-hmm. was I was scared. Uh, then I went on the run. Then yeah. I was on Lafayette, on Lafayette large uh, for a while. And then I rested again. Then then I, I went to Drumheller, which was a big change. Mm-hmm. Uh, a serious institution, really. Right. Yeah. So I'm there for a couple more years, and then uh, I get released. I'm on full parole, go back to my dad's. I'm fearing to institutionalized now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like being free. I like mm-hmm. the jail cell, right? So I'm getting high regularly. Mm-hmm. Then one night, I, I, in my car, hide underneath a, a pickup truck. By, by, it was just a crazy thing, right? Mm-hmm. I was arrested and pulled over, and then I went back to a drum, but I was happy. Mm-hmm. I was like, perfect. I feel like I could breathe again. Mm-hmm. Then I went up and I got out. I did another year. Got out. My warrant expired. My warrant expired. Then, I, then things got bad. Mm-hmm. I, I was still involved with crime. I was convicted under, under a summary offense again because of the plea agreement. I mm-hmm. went back to provincial. No programming. Got out. Then I said, I'm not going to jail again. And mm-hmm. I'm going robbing uh, high-profile drug dealers mm-hmm. at gunpoint. I thought that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Right? I was connected to organized crime. Right, never remember, just connected, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, 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 like, everything was going bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, like robberies, right? And then one day I go, I go, uh, I call, well, <clears throat> one day I steal a car, I get caught again, right? And after I'm, I make a fake call to the police, thinking the police would go there, but I use mm-hmm. a phone, so it was traced. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm arrested, but I get bail. So then I get back. Then things go really bad. Mm-hmm. I just lost hope, right? The robberies, people around me are, are dying, mm-hmm. kidnapped, murdered. Like it's gotten life's gotten pretty pretty dark. At that it's point. escalating pretty. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's gotten really really bad. And then I uh, I just gave up. You know, I went to the court. I showed up to the court in a stone car with a girl. 
Mm-hmm. We were both really high. And then I'm like, just wait in the alley. I got out of the car, walked to the corner, looked at the courthouse, went back to the car, got in, said, forget it. Mm-hmm. And I was on the run again. Yeah. And then, then I was able to rob, I robbed a hiring a gang member who mm-hmm. I met in drum, who I was connected to, same group, mm-hmm. right? And like we were friends, but I robbed him. Mm-hmm. And, and he shot my buddy that was with me in the back, uh, who got saved. Luckily, we took him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go to the hospital because I knew we'd be arrested mm-hmm. and I had warrants. So I went to another place, another high speed chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, I was caught. Then I bail. I was looking at heavy, heavy time. Right, for all everything, I, there was a lot of charges facing because mm-hmm. uh, I tried to carjacking everything at the end. It went really bad, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then in remand, instead of going protective custody, I went to the unit with my, where I'd be safe. But I wasn't going to be safe because mm-hmm. I brought that hierarchy member of that mm-hmm. same group who ordered hit on me. Then I was, I was jumped by three people. Uh, Skull fractured, bullet, every mm-hmm. bone in my face fractured, dead, left for dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went to Bruno's hospital, I was in a coma for three months, yeah. woke up, and then I went to, you know, like in Bruno's hospital, then I went to, to Pinoca, mm-hmm. uh, and that's 18 months all together, right? Yeah. Uh, like, well, 18, 16, yeah. 16, 15, 16, 16, 16, all together. Then I, I, couldn't leave my dad, right? Man, I was flying program. I went to live mm-hmm. with my mom. Things were good. Uh, then I started to drink again. Mm-hmm. Some things were bad, right? Then I moved back to Calgary. Then, uh, well, I came back to Calgary, met a girl. Uh, things went sideways. I was in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I, I tried to take my own life again. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out. Thankfully, mm-hmm. come back. I, I come back man. to Toronto, move, move back to Calgary. Then I, I, I begin getting dating a girl. Mm-hmm. I go to my royal. Uh, I get it. Well, I, first I get a sponsor, and yeah. I start to work everything I've learned in art mm-hmm. and things I were learned in 1835. I start to actually do mm-hmm. right rather than just just talk about it. Talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Like I, you know, I was I, I could tell you about the Bay Book, mm-hmm. but I wasn't willing to do any of it. Yeah. I finally had no other choice. Right? And it wasn't even that I had no other choice. It was just that I was having in my mind that people would say to me, it won't, like, if you just do it, it will work out. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I just, I said, you know, there can't be that many people lying. Right? Yeah, I, you're right. I just think there's enough people that's significant enough, right? Yeah. And I, well, yeah. I first, I met you yeah. back then. Like, mm-hmm. And that was when I was still going to meetings. Yeah, I had guns and drugs. Like I was okay. It, it was I was and but even the, when you saw me, like not even just you, anybody, like everybody. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I don't want to help that guy. Like mm-hmm. I had that attitude that I, I people I ever knew everybody knew I wasn't going to be sitting around. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you know you always get that feeling, right? mm-hmm. and I knew that right. So then I. I, after I, my, I got my sponsor, I'd be on the steps, mm-hmm. right? And like, I did the work. Mm-hmm. I was honest about it, right? And uh, I finally admitted complete defeat. You know, I did the inventory. Mm-hmm. I shared with, with my sponsor. Uh, you know, I looked at six and seven and defects and shortcomings. Mm-hmm. I reviewed it. You know, I, I not just reviewed it, I put action in, right? Mm-hmm. To change it. Like, I knew God was going to do for me. But it wasn't just that God was going to do for me without my, with my, out my effort. 
Yeah, like, that's right. You know, like I, like I know people like, well, you know, God doesn't just take them away unless mm. you're willing, right? Like, because I know something that I held on to because it kept me safe, mm -hmm. right? And so it was hard to work through that stuff, right? Finally, mm -hmm. did amends. I made a list. A lot of people amends like I'm that I that I couldn't make. I with the ones I could make, I did. Mm -hmm. A lot of amends I couldn't make. A lot yeah. of people are gone, killed, executed, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yeah, and uh, like, and there's no way I can I can ever make amends. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that I feel like that I harmed big time, right? Yeah, and so I. Just paid it forward, did the best I can, right? I still do to a point. I try mm -hmm. not to because I'm so selfish, right? When it comes to like things like money and stuff like that. But it, like I even like lately, I look at it and I'm so amazed at where I am now, mm -hmm. right? Like even life, like to be sitting here with you, to go to high schools daily and speak mm -hmm. to kids, go to junior highs. I love it, right? Yeah, so tell us about that, man, because you've talked about your story up until now, and now you're you're an educator, and yeah, tell us about that, the pathway to do that. How did well, that happen? Okay, so it started with university. Okay. I went to Monroe for yeah. a certificate course, mm -hmm. right, uh, addictions. Yeah. Then after that, I got married to Holly, mm -hmm. right, which was amazing. Yeah. Right? And then I got permission to go on a, on a, on a honeymoon, mm -hmm. like the next one when I got back, she told me to look for a job. You need, you need to start, or you should start. It was more mm -hmm. like a suggestion. Mm -hmm. You think you're going to look for a job with education? So I said, okay. Yeah. I applied. I'm getting hired in 35. Mm -hmm. They want a, 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 a vulnerable sector check. Yeah. Right? But I got that because all my charges were pretty drug related. Mm -hmm. right? I'm lucky. Uh, and then at that point in time, I had over two years clean, over five years free from mm -hmm. incarceration. I was a counselor. But I was a night shift counselor. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I, was, I wanted to go work days. I was told by the, by the, I was, I was told that due to my limitations, mm -hmm. I'll never become a day counselor. Mm -hmm. Which I, I was very upset about. But yeah. I told him my sponsor, he's like, you should probably just move on then. Mm -hmm. And then I said, you know what, I think I'll just stick with doing what I'm doing. Maybe I can change his mind. Mm -hmm. right? That didn't work out. So I finally realized I wouldn't. Then uh, one of the guys I counseled uh, in 1835, my friend, mm -hmm. uh, he called me up when they said, you should come work at uh, John Howard yeah, with high-risk youth before addiction takes over. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that sounds great. Yeah. So at first I started with, uh, with, uh, with uh, relief. Mm -hmm. I was working at Stepping Stones with, with adult uh, uh, harm reduction mm -hmm. as well as radio and Windsor Bark, yeah. which was good, right? I did that. Then I went full-time for at Windsor Park, working with the youth, right? Mm -hmm. Which was amazing. I was trying to get in the lock zone. And uh, there were kids I saved their lives. Yeah. There were kids that I didn't. Mm -hmm. right? It was just reality. I know fentanyl is such yeah. a big crisis now, right? Yeah. And then uh, uh, then uh, the same guy calls me up one day uh, from, from uh, well, no, he, okay, he doesn't call me up. So the police call me up at 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. and say, is Mr. Tilden there? And I'm like, Yes, him. And then the guy's like, this is Constable so-and-so. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, here we go. And he's like, we have uh, your friend here, right? I don't mm -hmm. think he would mind saying it, but I won't say his name. That's okay. Yeah, I, so I tell him yeah. and, and that he's my, he's a, I'm a sponsor, mm -hmm. right? And they're like, okay, well, rather than take him to the drunk tank or take him to District 1, we'd like to release him to your custody. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow. 
So I go to, to Denny's. I pick him up. What um, a change, eh? Yeah. They, and <laughs> well, the, cop, the cop knew me mm-hmm. when I went there. Like, he knew me. Yeah. He was like, he's like, I'm. You remember you're doing really well now. That's here, right? Which was cool, right? Here, and so, and then really awesome, man. Yeah, and then we so we we chatted. He got his life back. He's doing really well now, like really, really well now. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, right? And uh, uh, then one day he calls me out of the blue and says, uh, "So I was just offering my my direct our director and uh, um, uh, the head of of, uh, the outreach worker, right?" Mm -hmm. Uh, or not, was it was outreach worker? Uh, okay, anyway, so he tells me that he just heard them talking about this position that's available mm-hmm. where you go around Alberta and you speak to youth about criminal lifestyle, addictions, and the reality of it. Yeah. And so he's like, and I told them I have a friend who I think would be great for this job. Yeah. Uh, you want, you want so, so I go for an interview, right? a great interview, like, uh, uh, we chat. I tell my whole story, and mm-hmm. they're like, "Sounds good." So then a week later, they call me up and say, "Oh, well, so we already found somebody that we're giving the job to." Which I knew. I knew when I got the phone call in mm-hmm. the first place, right? And but and they're like, "But we really we're thinking about taking two people on. So if another person opens up, we get funding from the Berlaw Foundation. Would you be willing?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Well, yeah." So then I'm, I'm, a, I'm at uh, John Howard at Windsor Park and I get the phone call from Alicia. Mm-hmm. And she says, are you still interested in that position? I'm like, yeah. So I go, I go, I get the job. This is my job, right? And mm-hmm. then uh, the guy who, who they did hire, uh, things didn't work out for him, mm-hmm. right? So, he, so he, he ended up leaving the position. And then uh, I began... Speaking around Alberta, and for, yeah. like, which was crazy because at first I, I couldn't I couldn't even tell my story. I'd have to read notes, like mm-hmm. read like a, like a book. I'd well, you've had to like pretty much learn how to do a whole bunch of stuff again, right? Yeah, walk, talk, yeah. right? everything. Yeah, Shave. I can even brush my cut my nails or brush my teeth for a yeah. long time, right? Like so. you've gone through the whole the whole gamut of stuff, man. Yeah. So I, yeah, now I go around Alberta and I speak to kids, right? I got yeah. my friend a job there in a while, and things didn't work out for him. Mm-hmm. Then we lost funding. So then it's just, just strictly me. Mm-hmm. And now I go around Alberta. Like I was, like, awesome, last man. year I was in Whitecourt, uh, where was it? Edson. Mm-hmm. This year I'm going to Slave Lake, uh, Grand Prairie. Yeah. Yeah. Right um, on, dude. Yeah. I'm grateful. Well, I'm grateful too. I'm grateful you're still here, able to do it, man. Because you'll be well, you'll be reaching kids that nobody else can reach, man. Right? That's the whole point. That's uh, awesome, man. I love it. I love it. And like, and now I tell my story. I, like the other day, I had a kid cry, constantly mm-hmm. crying, and uh, you know, and they're like, uh, "That's just such a great story." I'm I'm so glad. But I, like, it opens their eyes up. They mm-hmm. they see the reality of that criminal lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Because they're, they're they they but this on TV is not the reality. Yeah. Right. Like it's all dies. scripted on TV, man. Yeah, everybody yeah. dies or is in jail, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the reality of it. Yeah, there's not very many old ones, right? Oh, exactly. Well, yeah. The criminal lifestyle has two ways out: mm-hmm. jails or death. Right? Yeah. And then, like, and then when you as, as a kid, you see, well, oh, well, I'll be okay, right? Yeah, of course. We but all thought we were. Police yeah. aren't <laughs> dumb. Yeah. Right? Like, they're not. <laughs> they're not. And then, and then once the criminal lifestyle begins, 
addiction gets involved, mm-hmm. right? Or addiction gets involved, then the criminal lifestyle is involved. So yeah. it's, always, it's always hand in hand. Right? Well, and because they're so interwoven sometimes, they're almost impossible to leave one without the other. Well, exactly. Right? And, and then that, even the criminal lifestyle becomes mm-hmm. addiction itself. Yeah. Right? Like it, well, and there's something that you mentioned as you were talking about the institutionalization. Yeah. So I've never been to prison. So like you'll have to, if you don't mind, um, what is that? How hard is that? Like just simply making that adjustment because you've spent a considerable amount of time inside, as you mentioned. Like h- how did you finally come to terms with being able to adjust to life outside? Well, incarcerated-wise, I, it was almost a decade. Yeah. Like I, twenty-nine convictions. Yeah. Six under indictment. Yeah. And so I spent almost a decade inside, and and like, <clears throat> you know. I got so used to the to the to the lifestyle yeah. inside, right? Like the set meals, the, mm-hmm. the organization, the, you know, that you don't show your feelings kind of mm-hmm. lifestyle, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you just smile and just keep going, mm-hmm. right? And you know, everything was just so intense, right? And then all of a sudden you're free, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's just, I couldn't handle that. Well, is it is it a matter of just being such so not intense out here? Like, it's not that it's not intense. It's just like, like there's no there's no like there's it's way more like everything is just such a stress. Like in there, you're so confined, mm-hmm. right? And like you, everything's kept separate. Everything's and they all, all of a sudden you're mm-hmm. free. You have malls. You have new phones, new yeah. TVs, traffic. Yeah. Uh, there's no set time frames or anything. It just and it's just very yeah. overwhelming, right? Yeah, I could see that as you're describing it. That's why I asked because it's yeah. just like there's like as you're describing it, my brain starting to get a bit frantic. Well, that's or, yeah, right? Because you're you going from that. nothing to everything. Yeah, you don't notice that, right? Yeah, I mean, people never notice, right? I would never have been able to. Well, you know what I mean, just because yeah. I haven't been there. So yeah, so and that and that I so no, I think it's that. It took time, mm-hmm. right? even like it's been over eleven years now, right? Yeah. But like I still have that. Like I have a hard time sitting with people with my back to people. Mm-hmm. Like without my back to people, I can't sit with like a bunch of people behind me. Mm-hmm. That drives me crazy, right? Yeah. And then uh, everything else, like relearn everything, right? So it's mm-hmm. been like I've been I was like back to a toddler. Yeah. Right. Wow, man, it's just incredible, dude. Thank you for coming here, man. No problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad we got to sit down in person yeah. because it feels way different. I already felt like way different than when we were doing it before. Yeah, yeah. me too. I feel good about this one. Me too, man. Like it, uh, yeah, because I really, I'm so curious because I work with lots of people who've obviously been through the prison system. Um, I say obviously because I work in addiction, so yeah. you, you're going to yeah. work with people, right? Um but it's one of those things I, I understand the concept of institutionalization yep. and how it how it happens, but I don't obviously I don't have that same understanding. No, but right? it's like it's like it's like it's equip imagine being in an eight by ten foot room mm-hmm. for eighteen eighteen days a month mm-hmm. straight. Yeah. With no human contact. Wow. And then all, all of a sudden you're free. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's just crazy, dude. It just sounds—it sounds bananas, man. Yeah, yeah, like it's almost like they should have like an intermediary before people get. Well, I guess that's what half, half of houses, houses ours is, right? Because like, and that's yeah. the thing is a lot of people get half of us and they have a hard time going outside. Right? Okay, 
Yeah. And they, they do, right? Yeah. And they get, there's, a, but I'm grateful now they have programming that's mandatory on mm-hmm. the street, right? Yeah. And, and, and do you, so have halfway houses evolved as well? Yeah. Like, I'm hoping they have because I remember when, when I first started as a social worker 24 years ago, they were let, um, there was lots to be desired about. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad they've changed. Oh, big time. Right? Because yeah. I always wondered, like, how do you expect people to, to manage this while they're still in basically in the same, in like a flop house now? Yeah. Because they used to be like flop houses. I, no, I, no. They're it was nice deplorable. Places. They're yeah. nice places now. Like, awesome. Yeah. I thought like, like Samoset, mm-hmm. it's a nice place. Mm-hmm. Like, it's in Marloop. It's across the street from 1835. Oh, right on. Yeah. Man. So like, it's like. You know, it's great. And then like, this thing is like, when I worked in 1835 too, right? Mm. It's like, I was able to to work with Alex Alcox, which yeah. was amazing, right? Yeah. And he, now I'm just carrying the message that it's possible. You don't let this happen. Mm-hmm. Things can go bad pretty quick, right? Yeah, they sure can. And man. you don't know that until you're, you're in drug addict right? mm-hmm. and you're in recovery. Yeah. How fast things change. Right? Well, and yeah, because once you take the governor off some of these behaviors that we Maybe we walked a fine line with, but once the governor comes off and you just go for broke, like, yeah. like you said, death institutions, right? Exactly. And yeah. then they, like now, now, like my dad's got over eleven years clean sober. Oh, right on, man. I've got over nine. Yeah. Like my Good dad's got like twelve. Yeah. Twenty twenty-two was eleven years. And well, way to go, man. Nine years, February thirteenth, twenty twenty-two, right? Yeah. Which is amazing. I've got my dad back, right? Yeah. And I'm married well, to an amazing woman. You know yeah. Holly. Like, yeah, she's a pretty cool I, lady, man. And uh, like, and so we have two kids, mm-hmm. Levi or Gabrielle and Levi. Yeah. We I took them out to, to the, the farm, farmyard, Calgary farm, farmyard, mm-hmm. which is amazing, right? And yeah. she, she, she's out there with a couple other people, right? But like, and I'm so grateful for Holly because, mm. like, you know, based on my disability, and and like. I still struggle, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and it has got to be hard because she takes care of leaving Gabriella, right? Mm-hmm. And like sometimes she has to take care of me, mm-hmm. right? but she's like she's so strong. Yeah, and she's doing her master's in university. She can be mm-hmm. a, a psychologist. Oh, good for her! You know, man. it's like she's a smart person too. Oh, yeah. She can do well. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm just grateful, like, right and on. like own home. A new car. I should mm-hmm. upgrade to a new GT. Yeah. Which is sweet, right? Like 10 years ago, do you think that would be where you are? Not legit. <laughs> Not legit. <laughs> yeah. Not legit for no, sure. There would be no wife and kids. Yeah. 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 Right on, man. Well, thank you, Mitch. Really appreciate you coming in, thank man. You.